we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. In silence is that quality of energy you have never touched before. And that is the transforming factor, the real creative movement of life. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence, and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is silence. Look out for season three of Urgency of Change, coming in September. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please see our official YouTube channel, for hundreds of video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's full talks and shorter extracts. We are a non-profit charity and rely on your support to continue to preserve and make Krishnamurti's work available. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. This week's episode on silence has seven sections. The first extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1984, titled, Why is Silence Necessary? Why is the observance of silence so important for seekers of truth? Who said that the observance of silence is necessary to perceive truth? As the speaker said it, or some other person said it? Or have you searched for truth and you have discovered silence is necessary? Is truth can be searched? You understand my question? Can truth be sought after? If you seek truth, you have already established what truth is. Right? You're already moving in that direction. Which means truth is something fixed. And you, in your search to truth, you find it. Because you are truth is already preconceived, and you go after it. Now, why do you think silence is necessary? 
I don't know. Somebody says so. So I'm not going to. Sorry. So I'm not going to listen to another. However, reputed, have great reputation, all that nonsense. I'm going to find out. Can a chattering mind, brain, chattering, ever listen to anything? You're chattering, talking to your friend, and you come along and you say, I want to tell you something. You, you don't listen because you're chattering. So in a, can a chattering mind listen? Obviously not. So, to listen you have to pay attention. Right? It's natural. To pay attention is rather difficult because we, we never attend to anything completely. We say partially listen, partially talk, partially do this and partially. We never proceed to find out anything to its very end. I don't know where the end is, but we we'll go on till we discover something. So, can a chattering mind, can a mind that is occupied from morning till night, or and during the night, can it ever be quiet? Not to find truth, good God. It's an ordinary question. Please answer this for your oneself. Brain that's occupied with business, with sex, with pleasure, with fear, with its loneliness, you are occupied with something or other. With its hair, how it looks, how it doesn't look, you know, all the rest of it is occupied. With God, with Jesus, with saviours, with meditation, think of that, being occupied with meditation. So the natural question then is, is it possible to stop this tr tremendous, endless continuity of occupation? It will be natural to stop when you are attending to something. If you are attending to what the speaker is saying now, attending, which is listening, you are, you are not occupied, you are listening. But in that listening you say, no, I don't quite agree with that. I think you are right. I think you, are, you should put it differently. I understand this differently. Why do I understand it differently? And so on. But if you actually listen, you are attentive, and attention is silence. 
Right? He says, I wonder why we make everything so complex. Life is complex, tremendously. Like any like the computer is a tremendously complex thing. But to understand it one must have a very simple mind. To have a simple, clear mind, uncluttered. Then attention becomes extraordinarily simple. The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1983, titled Silence Needs Space. You have said that quietness, silence, comes unsought. But can we live in ways that will allow it to come more readily? Oh yes, it can by taking a pill. No? By taking a drug, get drunk. See, look at the question, you want something readily. You don't want to squeeze the orange, but you buy the orange in a tin. You follow? Something readily, quickly. Have you ever inquired into what is silence? What is silence? What is peace? Is peace between two wars? That's what's happening, what we call peace, is between two wars. This war, like the next war, is to end all wars. Do you understand that? You have understood that phrase? <coughs> this war, like the next war, is to end all wars. That is, is peace between two noises is peace between two wars is peace between two rows quarrels so what is silence it cannot naturally be bought bought in a shop or a pharmacy Right? We like to buy it quickly and get on with it. But silence cannot be bought. No peace can cannot be bought. Right? If that is so, what is silence? Silence must mean space, mustn't it?
I can be very silent in a small space hmm? and close myself, shut my eyes and put a wall around myself, concentrate on some potty little affair and in that there can be a certain amount of peace, certain amount of silence. I can go into my den, my reading room or a quiet room and sit there. But the space is limited when I do that. Not only my little room, but in my brain also, the space is very, very limited. Right? Because most of us have never even asked about, thought about all this. So, what is space? Is space from one point to another? Is space a limited dimension? Or space without a centre? Therefore, without a centre, therefore no border. You understand? As long as I have me, my problems, my selfish demands, my, 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 it's very limited. Right? That limitation has its own small space. But that that little space is a form of self-protective wall to, to remain in there, not to be disturbed, not to have problems, not to have... You follow all the trouble and so on. So, uh, for most of us, that space of the Self is the only space we have. And so we are from that space, we are asking what, it, what is space. I wonder if you followed it. Space to understand, space to enjoy. Hmm? But always that's limited, isn't it? So where there is limitation, there cannot be vast space. There's no matter. And pay, space implies silence. Noise doesn't imply si- space. I don't know if you one sees that. All the noise that's going on in towns between people and all the noise of modern music. Hmm? There's no space, there isn't, there's not silence anywhere, just noise. Uh, maybe pleasant or unpleasant, that's not the point. So, 
What does it mean to have space? Space between two notes on the piano. That's a very small space. Or silence between two people who have been quarrelling and later on resume the quarrelling. All that is a very, very limited space. So, is there a space that is limitless? Not in heaven, not in the universe, but in our, in our, in our souls, in our whole way of living to have space. Not imaginative, not romantic, but actual feeling of vast sense of space. Oh, you say yes. I understand that intellectually. <laughs> but to receive that question, what is space? What's the content of that? To receive it entirely with all your senses, then you will find out what it is. If there is such a vast space which is related to the universe. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in Madras, 1967, titled Silence is not the ending of noise. Meditation is this awareness of the totality of the field of consciousness, which means totality of the whole thought process. Not only the thought process technologically as you learn a language, how to run a machine, how to run a computer and so on, so on, but also to learn about the totality of the thinking, feeling mechanism, to be choicelessly aware of all that is to be in a state of meditation, because unless the totality of the brain cells are utterly quiet, not projecting any thought, any hope, any desire, any pleasure, which are all the response of the past. It's only when the brain cells are completely quiet and they can be only quiet when there is total attention of the whole of the of consciousness which is thought, feeling and action. Then you will see, if you have gone that far, that there is a state of attention in which there is still movement of the brain cells without the reaction. Hmm. Isn't that a lovely sunset, what? 
You know, we don't know what silence is. We only know silence when noise stops. And we are partially aware to the noise of consciousness. But we do not know what silence is apart from the noise of consciousness. Right? We are talking of a silence which is not the ending of a noise, like beauty, like love. It's not the ending. Love is not the ending of hate. Oh, the ending of desire. Love is something utterly different from desire, from hate. You do not come to love by suppressing desire, as you have been taught through literature, through, through these saints and all the rest of it. The end. The ending of noise, not because you want silence, but the very ending, is not the silence which comes into being when noise ceases. This uh, last night there was a wedding going on next door. They began, I don't know, I think about half past five kept up till ten, and began again this morning at half past four, and stopped around half past eight or nine, and they again began this afternoon. And they are making hideous noise, which they call music. And I am not criticizing the people who listen to it, who enjoy it. And when, the, when that noise stopped, there was an extraordinary silence. And that's all we know, the silence when noise stops, the silence when thought stops. But that is not silence at all. Silence is something entirely different, like beauty, like love. And this silence is not the product of a quiet mind, not the product of a brain cells which have understood the whole structure and say, for God's sake, let me be quiet. Then the brain cells themselves produce a silence. <coughs> and that is not that silence. That silence is something entirely different. And that silence is not the outcome of attention. Attention in which the observer is the observed, when there is no friction, that can produce another form of silence, but that's not silence. Silence, <laughs> you can't describe it, I won't. You are waiting for me to uh, for the speaker to describe it so that you can compare it, capture it, and carry it home and bury it. 
It cannot be described. What can be described is the known. And the freedom from the known can only come into being when there is a dying every day to the known, to the hurts, to the flatteries, to the images that you have built about your wife and your husband, your society, your political leader, your religious, dying to all that every day, so that the, the brain cells themselves become fresh, young, innocent. But that innocence, that freshness, that quality of tenderness, gentleness, that does not produce love. That is not the quality of beauty or silence. Unless the mind has become aware of that, our life becomes rather shallow, empty and meaningless. But that silence, which is not the ending of noise, is only a small beginning. It's like going through a small hole to an enormous, wide, expansive ocean. to an immeasurable, timeless state. But that one cannot understand verbally unless you have understood this whole structure of consciousness and the meaning of it, the pleasure, the despair, the whole of that has been understood and the brain cells have become quiet. Then perhaps you may come upon that mystery which nobody can give or anybody can describe. The fourth extract is from the fourth talk in Madras, 1974, titled Silence is not to be practiced. So, the mind that is whole is attentive and therefore care and this quality of deep abiding sense of love. Such a mind is the whole. Is the whole. That you come upon when you begin to inquire what is meditation, then we can proceed to find out what is sacred. That, please listen, it's your life. Give your heart and mind to find out a way of living differently. Which means when the mind has abandoned all control it does not mean that you lead a life of doing what you like yielding to every desire to every lustful 
glance or reaction to every pleasure, to every demand of the pursuit of pleasure, but to find out, to find out whether you can live a daily life without a single control. That's part of meditation. That means one has to have this quality of attention, that attention which has brought about the insight into the right place of thought, and thought is fragmentary, and where there is control there is the controller and the control which is fragmentary. So to find out a life, a way of living without a single control, that requires tremendous attention, great discipline, not the discipline that you are, to, you are accustomed to, which is merely suppression, control, conformity. But we are talking of a discipline which means to learn. The word discipline comes from the word disciple. The disciple is there to learn. Now here there is no teacher, no disciple. You are the teacher and you are the disciple. If you are learning, and that very act of learning is brings about its own order. Now, thought has found its own place, its right place. So the mind is no longer burdened with the movement as a material process which is thought, which means the mind is absolutely quiet. It is naturally quiet, not made quiet. That which is made quiet is terrible. That which is that which happens to be quiet, in that quietness, in that emptiness, a new thing can take place. Right? So <laughs> can the mind, your mind, be absolutely quiet, without control. Without the movement of thought, it will be quiet, naturally, if you really have the insight to the insight which brings about the right place for thought. From there, 
thought then becomes thought has its right place, therefore the mind is quiet. You understand what the word silence and quiet means? You know you can make mind quiet by taking a drug, by repeating a mantra or a word, constantly repeating, 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 naturally your mind will become quiet. And that such a mind is a dull, stupid mind. And you call that transcendental meditation or whatever you like to call it. And there is a silence between two noises. There is silence between two notes. There is silence between two movements of thought. There is silence of an evening, when the birds have made their noise, chattering, and have gone to bed, and there isn't a fluttering among the leaves, there is no breeze, there is absolute quietness, not in a city, but when you are out with nature, when you are among the trees, or sitting on the banks of a river. The silence descends on the earth, and you are part of that silence. So there are different kinds of silence. But the silence we are talking about, the quietness of a mind, that silence is not to be bought, is not to be practised, is not so- something you gain, a reward, a compensation to an ugly life. It's only when the ugly life has been transformed into the good life. The good I mean not having plenty, but the life of goodness, the flowering of that goodness, the beauty, then now the silence comes. The fifth extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in New Delhi, 1973 titled, In Silence There is a Totally Different Kind of Energy. We know energy, physical energy, from go- moving from here to there. Energy brought about through conflict. Energy through desire. Energy through imagination. 
sexual energy energy of a pursuit of pleasure becoming wanting to be somebody here or in inside all the sara are forms of energy brought about through conflict that's the energy we have and with that energy we want to transform ourselves please follow me the energy of idea or idea ideals the energy of wanting to change myself and conform to the projection of what i think is the truth that's energy that is the energy which is created through conflict between the observer and the observed that's the all the energy we know and that cannot ever transform man one needs a totally different kind of energy not the energy of controlling uh, energy that you uh, sexual not indulging in you know all that tradition i'm not talking about that at all no religion the religious mind is the supplier of that energy and in that silence which is not produced by thought that silence has no direction that silence is not observable by the observer you don't know hmm? in that silence there is a totally different kind of energy and that energy is the factor of creation creating new creating new way of life creating a new way of writing it's only religion that is creative not the artist the literary person the critical they are not creative they are still functioning within the field of knowledge and within the field of knowledge they are very noisy so meditation is the beginning of order meditation is the awareness of the movement of thought as the me meditation is the freedom total absolute inward freedom in which there is the single image freedom 
from all the things that man has put together as reality, philosophically, psychologically, otherwise. Then when that takes place, the natural sequence is the flowering of silence. In that silence, is that quality of energy that you have never touched before. And that is the transforming factor. That is the real creative movement of life. And in that silence, There are great many other things that go on. Because in that silence, which means not only the mind as a whole, but also the brain, has, the brain becomes orderly. It will function when necessary, otherwise it's completely quiet. And in this, or in this sense of silence, thought has no place. Therefore, there is no time. And that silence cannot be measured. If you are capable of measuring it, it is not silence. It is the silence which thought has put together, and therefore it knows it can measure it. I am silent today, I will be silent tomorrow. Tell me how to be silent tomorrow. So, meditation is the most extraordinary thing, you know, if you know what it is. In that quiet stillness, that which cannot be described, which is nameless, which is not the product of time and thought, there is, there is that movement. And that's all you, there is, and that is the creation. The sixth extract is from the fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1984, titled The Sound of Silence. We're always measuring the better, the more, the less and the greater. This whole movement of measurement, which is comparison, 
can that Licht sehen. Both psychologically and outwardly. That's part of meditation. That's what, when you are inquiring into what is meditation, it means not only think, ponder over, look and observe, but also it means complete ending of all comparison. Short, tall, broad, wide, beautiful, not beautiful. All those are a pattern of the Self. Where there is measurement, there is Self. Right? So is it possible to live the life in daily life without any form of comparison? Then you will see for yourself the extraordinary quality of the brain. Then the brain itself has its own movement. Apart from its own movement, it has another quality. Then it is extraordinarily stable, firm. Doesn't mean it doesn't yield, but it yields in firmness, in strength. And Meditation also means the freedom from the network of words and thought. So the brain is not entangled with words. with patterns, with systems, with measurement, then there is absolute silence. And that silence is necessary. Silence has its own sound. Have ever listened to a tree? I'm not. This is not some crazy answer. Question. Have ever listened to a tree, which is an old tree, when the wind and the breezes have come to an end, and the tree is utterly silent. No leaf is fluttering. And then you listen to the sound of the tree. We were asked that question by a scientist. He accepted that, so you better accept it too, (laughs) because you love scientists, people who accumulate knowledge. But to find out the sound in silence.
and where there is this complete, absolute, not relative silence, the relative silence can be brought about through thought, through will, saying, I must be silent. That's not, that's not silence at all. There is silence only when there is freedom from all the things that man has accumulated. In that silence, with the enormous sense of vastness, immensity, you don't ask any questions anymore. It is. Then we ought to ask also a question, what is creation? If we say God created the world, then that's the end of it. That's one of the convenient statements in various books. That's no answer. But if one begins to ask, what is creation? How is all this coming to be? The tiger, the deer, the marvellous tree, and the majestic mountains, and the great rivers of the world, and this vast population. How does it all this happen? We must distinguish between creation and invention. Creation is totally different from invention. Invention is still within the field of knowledge. The man who invented the jet he moved from knowledge to knowledge. He invented all the new invention. The technological world is based on knowledge. Perhaps a second of not thinking, and then something comes. But he's still within the area of knowledge. Creation is not invention. Creation is there only when knowledge has come to an end. Do you understand all this? Then that creation is, if we can use that word, nothing. Nothing means not a thing. A thing is, Latin so on, is thought. When there is no, when there is absolute silence of thought, then there is totally a different dimension.
final extract in this episode is from a direct recording made by Krishnamurti in 1983 titled The Roots of Heaven Are in Deep Abiding Silence. You have to climb hour after hour to great height. Those days you saw a bear a little way off and it paid no attention, and the deer across the narrow gully that too seemed unconcerned. And at last you reached a height of a rocky plateau, and across the hills to southwest you saw the far distant sea, so blue so quiet, so infinitely far away. You sat on the rock, smooth, cracked, for the sun must have, for century upon century, cracked the rock. And the little cracks saw tiny little living things scurrying about. And there was that utter silence, complete. Every large bird, they call it condor, was circling in the sky. Apart from that movement, there was nothing astir except the tiny little creatures, insects. But there was that silence that exists only where man has not been before. It was so peaceful. You left everything behind in that little village so far below you. Literally everything. Your identity if you had any, your belongings, the possession of your experiences, your memories, remembrance of things that had meant something to you. You left all that behind, down below that, amidst the shining groves and among the orchards. Here, there was absolute silence, and you were totally alone. It was a marvelous morning, and the cool air, which was becoming colder, wrapped round you, and you were completely lost to everything. There was nothing and beyond nothing. You should really forget the word meditation. That word has been corrupted. The ordinary meaning of that word, to ponder over, to consider, to think, think about. All that is rather trivial and ordinary. You should really forget 
if you really want to understand the nature of meditation, not the world, for you cannot possibly measure with words that which is not measurable, that beyond all measure, the immeasurable. No words can convey it, nor any systems, modes of thought and practice and discipline. Meditation, or rather, if you could find another word which has not been so mutilated, so made ordinary, corrupt, which has become the means of earning a great deal of money. If you can put aside all that, then only begin to not grasp the meaning of the world, but begin to feel quietly and gently a movement that is not of time. Again, the word movement implies time, but a movement, a sense which has no beginning and an end, a movement, a sense of wave, a wave upon wave, starting from nowhere and no beach to crash upon. It's an endless waves, and time, however slow it is, is rather tiresome. Time means growth, evolution to become, to achieve, to learn, to change. And time is not the way of that that lies far beyond the world, meditation. Time has nothing to do with it. It is the action of will. And desire cannot, in any way, that lies far beyond the world, meditation. Here, sitting on that rock, with a blue sky, which is astonishingly blue. The air is so pure, unpolluted. There is far beyond there, beyond this rain, there is the desert. You will see it, miles, really, a timeless perception of that which is. It's only that perception that can say, it is. You sat there, what seemed to you, many days, many years, many centuries. And as the sun was going down to the sea, you made your way down to the valley, everything around was alive. The blade of grass that show back the towering eucalyptus and the flowering water took time to come down and it took time to walk. 
but that which has no time cannot be measured by the world. Meditation is only a word. The roots of heaven are in deep abiding silence.